Welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Good afternoon, good evening. This is George Spaulding, Executive VP at Pink Elephant, and this is Practitioner Radio number 65. With me today, as always, is my compadre in this creation, Troy Dumoulin. He's the uh, VP of Product and Product Strategy at Pink Elephant. Say hello, Troy. Good morning and good afternoon, George. And our special guest today is a good friend of mine and Troy's, and that's Jack Probst. Jack's our principal consultant and our resident guru for the moment on business relationship management. Say hello, Jack. (laughs) Hello, George. Good morning, Troy, and good evening, wherever you might be. Mom and Dad and the ships at sea. There you go. What is this, the Truman Show? <laughs> yes. No, I'm, I'm Edward R. Murrow, dude. Okay so, okay, so, Troy, the first question is, why has it been so long since this is PR 65? Why has it been so long since PR 64? What, what have you been doing? Well, this summer, specifically in 2015, has been a bit nuts. We've actually had three different events, one in June in Toronto, uh, one in Asia in July, or actually two in Asia, and then one in August. We had that in Arizona. In fact, uh, great time, but boy, summer didn't seem to be a downtime this year, so we didn't get a chance to get this done. Summer was a blink, and all of us, of course, were together in uh, in Arizona, Scottsdale at the Pink Forum, which is uh, our annual leadership event, and I strongly recommend, if you've never been, to the uh, Pink Forum, which of course we will do next August at the Monte Lucia Resort in Scottsdale. I strongly recommend that you folks uh, might want to consider that because it's really quite different than the event in February and it's very focused on leadership topics. So enough for the sales stuff. So Jack. George. Tell us a little bit about exactly what you talk about in terms of the BRM course. So the BRM course focuses on two things. In in the course, there's a slide in there that talks about the art and the science of business relationship management. And I really think that captures the essence of what the course is all about. So the art is the, I don't know, the soft side of uh, creating relationships between service providers and business partners. You know, what does it mean to understand who are the key players on both sides of the equation and to firm up and mature the the working relationship between two. So that's part of it. So it's describing the role, it's describing what the role means, how does it fit in the organization, what are the organizational structures that will support it, things of that nature. But the science side, uh, where we spend a great deal of time in the course, is talking about models and frameworks and disciplines and concepts and the like that support what the BRM needs in their kit bag in order to be very effective relative to those relationships. So um, it's a it's a very deep course. It covers a lot of material, but the folks that have been through this really find a great deal of value, and there's uh, just a whole plethora of takeaways that they can take back to the ranch and 
essentially deploy immediately. Do you see this as a growing thing, like the BRMs? Do you see more and more of them in the uh, organizations you work with? Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, for, let's face it, for the past few years, we've talked about BRM, and there's been individuals that have had more or less that type of role within an organization, but it's never been truly formal. Although, Troy, I got to tell you, my very first engagement with Pink, I was assigned to a a Pink scan and we were working with a large global organization that did everything from government services to, you know, shooting up rockets. And they had a formal BRM role that reported directly to the CIO. So I saw it there, but that's probably the first time and for a long time didn't see a lot of formalization of of the role. But now in the last few years, there are more and more organizations that realize they need to formalize this. They need to formalize not just the role, but also the working set of relationships that are going to be critical to long-term success. Okay, I, I have a question. So you, this has been kind of an analytical conversation so far. So back in 2007, when ITIL v3 came out, that was the first time we had it in the world of ITIL, an official business relationship management process. And of course, in the ITIL Foundations course, there's this discussion about it's not service level management. So I think that I forget the course for a minute. Tell me, what business relationship management is and what a business relationship manager does. So the best way to think about this is that the BRM himself or herself is a connecting point or a point of focus for two really important parts of any organization. So one happens to be the business, and we talk about them in terms of the business partner, And then the other is whoever is providing support for the business. And so we typically, especially with the idle framework, as you brought up, George, we think about that in IT terms, but it could be coming out of HR. It could be the finance organization. It could be legal. It could be anybody that's a service provider that provides ongoing support for the business, whether in whole or in part. And so this BRM role sits kind of between the two as, as, a, as a solid working channel to understand what the needs are on the part of the business and how those needs can be fulfilled by whoever's providing that support. In this case, we'll just talk in terms of IT. And then vice versa, right? So that IT itself has specific things that they can do. And in that case, the BRM is kind of the universal translator to make sure that the business understands what the capabilities are of, say, the IT organization and how they could potentially support and help fulfill, say, the strategies of the business, their goals, their plans, and this like. So a lot of cases, it's kind of that connective link between the two organizations, but also as the maturity level of the BRM role rises within an organization, we move from being that connective link to actually playing a very strategic role on both sides of the equation, both on the business side, helping the business shape strategy, and also taking a lot of that information back to, say, the IT organization and help them also shape their strategy, their direction, what the vision will be for the future. So that's really how it's playing itself out. So you say universal translator, and I'm of course, I'm a big fan of Douglas Adam and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so I have this vision of a babel fish stuck in my ear. 
So you know what I'm, you know the context I'm referring to? Yes. Uh, it's been a while since I read the book, but yeah, I do. <laughs> You're weird, Troy. You got to so, face it, dude. So, you know, You're just so weird. We, we can actually now interface business speak and IT speak, right? <laughs> it's okay. He's our geek. So, so Jack, you brought up this concept of maturity near the end of your conversation there, and that, yeah. I think that's that becomes an important conversation when we talk about BRM because I don't think you can just plop somebody down in an existing shop, and and the real question is where do they live? Step step one: yeah. do they live over in the IT shop or do they live in the business side? And then step two it depends, doesn't it? Kind of depend on how. The business views IT and and what level they think IT is able to achieve? Yeah, so let me answer those in reverse order. So first and foremost is what's the perspective of IT through the eyes of the business? Do they see IT as just an organization who's there to keep the lights on, to prevent uh, outages in the middle of the night or in the middle of their marketing campaign? Or do they see IT as being a critical component that's uh, a necessary element for the ultimate success of the business? So depending on what that view is and how those two organizations are trying to establish a solid working relationship, you're absolutely right. That is a critical element in terms of where and how and how effective a BRM might be. So BRMs themselves can sit in different places within an organization. Um, although, to be honest, it's got to be, in essence, permanently resonant in one or the other. So when I was a CIO some time ago, my, my last gig as, as, that, uh, as that IT leader, we had hired an individual and we actually inserted them into the business. So they lived in the business Although they directly reported still back to me as the IT leader, there was this indirect relationship to the leadership within that functional area. One of the challenges is, do you suffer from, say, the Stockholm Syndrome, where uh, those individuals were living every day in, um, in that business environment, do they go native? Um, and that was sometimes a, a bit of a challenge where that individual had to have a leveled perspective both from the business side as well as the IT side, uh, so they weren't slanted one way or the other. So in terms of where do they sit and, and what they do, it really doesn't matter. The real trick is, is to understand you know, what, is the, what is the level of the, most, of the reporting relationships, whether it's dotted line or solid line, doesn't matter so much as long as we have a clear focus in terms of what we're trying to accomplish in support of both organizations. And then back to your original question about maturity, as the IT organization matures and the business matures, and basically that business maturity is going to pull IT along with it. So as the business gets better um, and moves from, say, processing just transactions, but now starts to think of itself um, as an enterprise and pulls IT into that focus we call it a level two maturity in the, the BRM course, then also we would have an expectation that the level of skill and talent and expertise of the BRMs, regardless of where they sit, are also able to have conversations at a more visionary strategic level as well. 
So where they sit isn't quite as important as your second question, how mature are both organizations, and then making sure that you have the right person in there basically, again, is that universal translator. So, Jack, one of the experiences I actually personally have with this is people think, you know, the BRM role is a good idea, and it is, but they often kind of lead with this role before they've got other things in place. For example, uh, let's get uh, let's get this supply relationship going better, manage expectations, so we're going to put this liaison role, you know, we'll parachute them into this organization to speak on behalf and to make this translation happen. But we basically send them out there and say, be friendly and find out what they need and bring it back. But there's no basis for support. There's no catalog of services that's been defined. There's no basis for um, measuring whether we're performing against SLAs if they exist or not. So in essence, they go out there and they have this conversation. I'm here to be your liaison. What do you want? And because they have no basis for talking about what they actually can do, they end up having this conversation that says, well, we want it all, we want it now, we want it for free. And they become, in essence, an order taker, in essence, but they also, the first time something goes bad or wrong in this relationship, they are the point of whipping, as opposed to point of contact. And so to survive, they go native, if you will, and they, instead of being a liaison, they turn back towards the group they've come from and start yelling back at you know whatever organization is uh, that sent them. Because they parachuted this BRM, completely without sustainable, you know, activity or sources of information. I think that part of what I'm part of what I'm hearing and part of and it's it gets back to the maturity conversation again is that you know when like I said you can't plop them in there and expect them to do anything without both sides kind of recognizing that this is a necessary role or maybe the other way to look at it is that the role itself and the person actually makes everyone aware that it's a necessary role, that that's one of their early goals, which gets me to another question of Jack. Okay, Jack, I did this. I've got one of these things, these BRMs, these people, the Troy called it a liaison, the person with a foot in both camps, uh, Stockholm Syndrome has been taken care of. What's the payoff? What do I get? Uh, because I have a business relationship management person or a department, what do I get from this new relationship? So in the course, we talk about three metaphors that describe the role of the BRM. Uh, The first of these metaphors is that as a connector. In other words, the BRM is able to connect the dots between both organizations to identify what are the what's the demand that's coming from the business and what's the capability and capacity of the providing organization, IT in this case, to meet that demand and to be able to have a very frank and honest conversation about where there may be disconnects between the two. So from the standpoint of what do you get from this connecting role, you get someone who has visibility in terms of demand and supply and who is able to wrestle through some of the challenges where there's some discontinuities between the two. So clear visibility and transparency in terms of that demand-supply equation, kind of in in economic terms. The second thing is uh, the idea of being an orchestrator. So think about a conductor in a symphony. The conductor stands in front of these individuals that all have various skills and talents, but and there's a plan for 
how the, all those skills and talents will be brought together in terms of the score of music. And so the conductor assures that the right skill and talent comes in at the right time so that success is achieved and the symphony is well played. The same is true with the BRM role in an organization. Their objective is, is that they understand where the business needs to go relative to individual plans, strategies, and the like. And what the BRM does is they work collectively and collaboratively with the providing organization to make sure that the right roles are teed up to bring their skill and talent together at the right time, working through other parts of the organization like the PMO, the app dev team, maybe it's the infrastructure group and so forth, but they have oversight in terms of everything that's going on and they can assure that the objectives are achieved basically for the benefit of the business. And then the last one is this idea of being a navigator. So you think about the, the navigator on a ship, they understand that they need to go to the Bahamas or Bimini or wherever. And so they understand the charts, they have a plan laid out, they have a course that's effective, but also they know that they need to bring in other resources, other talent, uh, such as you know information about weather events, possibly maps relative to the ocean currents and, and the like. And that's exactly what the BRM does. They see the roadmap, they help build the roadmap for the business. And, as, and in order to do that, they know that they need to go and get folks like in, the architects. They need to go and get the program management office. They need to get somebody maybe from the development team to help support that development. And so they can bring all of those research together. So if you think about it, George, yeah, we could probably do that without the BRM role, but by establishing the BRM role and maturing it to the point at which they can become the connector, the orchestrator, and the navigator, we now have a, a role that provides a higher level of functionality than if we didn't have it. So to me, that's what you get out of having the BRM. From the business standpoint, do they get, do they see more value um, in in some sort of in a process or in a, a program or in a, a major change or release or whatever do they see more value at the end or is there or, or would they that would they see that value without the BRM they probably could see the value without the BRM the operative word there is value so what at the end of the day the business wants to do more for whoever, consumes their products and services. And they want to do that without a lot of churn. They need to be efficient and very effective in terms of how do they get to the end game. So they could do it by they themselves figuring out who they need to go talk to um, within that IT organization. But let's face it, trying to navigate all of that is mm, sometimes it's a bit of a morass. Who do I talk to? Maybe I talk to my favorite person, but it may not be the right person. And so then I need to have another conversation very inefficient. If I have that BRM, instead what I've got is I got that single point of contact and somebody who can do all that legwork for me. And so to achieve that value, to get to the end state, I've got somebody I can turn to, not so much as a salesman, but as somebody that is deeply ingrained in both organizations, understands how both organizations work, can be that universal translator, can do the business speak and the geek speak, and make sure that at the end of the day, what the business needs to get accomplished 
they're able to assure that that can happen. Now, they don't obviously do it all on their own. They have to use their own skills with respect to communication, relationship building, and so forth. But all of that happens, which is a real lift to any organization. So I have a question for you. We've talked before in Practitioner Radio with you, Jack, around portfolio management, demand management, kind of the funnel and the pipe principle. Mm-hmm. I'll, show, I'll put it in the show notes. It's uh, We talk about you know, plate spinning, <laughs> trains, planes, and automobiles, whatever, something like that. How does this BRM role come into that context, this whole demand portfolio aspect? What, what kind of role does it play? Yeah, that's a good question. So so let's let's think in terms of the, the strategy of an organization. The business sees changes in the environment. They have some competitive pressures. They have regulatory challenges, things of that nature, and they set their vision for how they're going to move ahead. And then they want to translate that vision through strategies into actionable plans. Well, let's face it. The providing organization, in this case IT, doesn't have enough in terms of resources to be able to deliver everything that the business needs to do. So what a BRM does, who's an effective BRM, is that they work with the business to shape the description of these needs that they have, the requirements, into something, maybe it's business cases and so forth. And then that BRM assures that things such as that portfolio management process that you refer to, Troy, which is the organizational decision-making capability, part of governance of the organization, to make sure that there is the right input from the business into this decision-making function that will then filter through all of the various requests and then the right set of things gets moved into the provider organization, which they can then execute against it. So the BRM's role in that is to make sure that, one, they support the business in terms of the development of what those needs will be and to shape the right description, understand exactly what's required for the governance process. They may sit on the portfolio board or support the business and the IT organization in terms of the dialogue that has to occur. And then they then follow and assure that whatever has been approved in terms of projects or initiatives or what have you, that those are then being executed in a timely fashion and providing information back to the business in terms of status and progress. So I would say that, yes, that BRM role is really going to be heavily engaged in that bringing stuff into the funnel and then working through what we have called in the past the filter and the valve. So, Jack, what you're describing and describing some a somewhat new role, at least uh, that you said you hadn't run into too many of them, First of all, the, the description you gave of the relationship and whatnot sounds to me like it would involve a great deal of trust, trust from the provider side, the IT side, and trust from the business side to make the case for on the other side, whatever, you know, if I'm the IT guy talking to the BRM, you know, I'm, I want to I be sure that I'm being well represented when the BRM goes and talks to the business. Conversely, the business would want to be sure that they're well represented when the BRM goes back and talks IT. So this, first, so I have several questions and kind of all around this trust issue. So first, that it seems like there has to be a great deal of trust in this BRM role and in the, in the person themselves. And secondly, 
where are we getting these people? These aren't, there's, there's nobody, you know, where do we get them? You know, I, I, I didn't see the college, you know, major in business relationship management. I don't, I don't see where we're getting them. And I'm not sure. And the other piece of this is it sounds like if this is well done and done right, it sounds like it's a role which could lead to other things. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the people. So let's, let's go back to the first question, right? This idea of trust. There's actually another way to describe this, and that is your ability to be effective in the conversation is that whoever you're having that conversation with, especially where you're trying to influence and be persuasive, which let's face it, the BRM really has no authority to do anything. And so in essence, their ability to move things forward is going to rely a great deal on their skill set that will allow them to influence others to get things done and maybe even persuade others to possibly shift their view, their perspective, their opinion, and so forth. And so from the perspective of this idea of trust, I would change the word a little bit in terms of the ability to influence and persuade is going to rely a lot on the credibility of the BRM through the eye of the individual who they're engaging in this dialogue with. And credibility itself actually has a couple elements. One of those actually is, George, it's trust. In other words, and to me, trust is very simple. I say that I trust you when I believe that that what you say, you will get done, that if you give me your word, it will be followed up upon. I consider you to be a trustworthy individual. You know, You will not reverse your position without some explanation and so forth. So that's part of this credibility. But the other part is that you have the expertise and the experience that's needed in order for you to sort through all the issues, all the challenges to back to our universal translator again, right? I have enough in-depth knowledge of the business so I can speak business terms and I have enough in-depth knowledge of how technology and IT works and how it functions where I can do the geek speak. All of that kind of comes back into this equation of expertise. So I could be a very trustworthy person, but not have much expertise. My credibility is going to be relatively low. If I flip this around and say, well, I have a great deal of expertise, but nobody can trust me in terms of the things we say or I say, then my credibility also is low. So I have to have both. So if I'm going to be effective in this role, I actually have to be a credible individual, part of which will be trust. I keep thinking... Emotional intelligence. This is yeah, <laughs> and the, how many IQ, IT folks? And I know we've been talking a lot about IT, which is not necessarily the you know the focus of BRM in general. But the person who does this role has to be incredibly tuned in and emotionally intelligent. Oh, absolutely, and and fully aware of not only themselves as individuals and being able to understand how they react to stress or which let's let's face it. There will be stress in this job. It's just going to come along for the ride. But also to be aware of the social settings that they get themselves placed into in working through these relationships, some of which those social settings may be a bit harsh because there could be individuals who have their own agendas that have to play themselves out. And they have to understand themselves in these social settings well well enough. Troy, I agree with you. So that emotional intelligence, right, they're able to work effectively in that arena. But let me ask, answer George's other question because I think it's a really important question. So the first, one of the first times that I saw this, I mentioned with that 
that big organization that had this individual reported directly to the CIO. That was really kind of the first time I had seen that role. So the other thing, though, is I saw this one individual or this one company, pharmaceutical, the people that they put into this role, they almost considered junior CIOs. So these were people on the rise, and they were individuals they wanted to give some leadership focus and expertise to. So that's kind of what I see, George. These are individuals that have been nurtured and being developed, and they see this as the next path for them in terms of their overall development within the organization. And if you really do think about it, they do play that CIO role where they see the business, they see IT, and they help shape that conversation. So we're saying that in many cases, this is somebody who already works for this organization that we're going to bring into this role. And if, if you don't have a BRM role, are we saying maybe that the CIO in some, some organizations actually functions as a BRM? Oh, I would say that they absolutely do. As a matter of fact, that should be one of their jobs is in a part-time basis, they are sort of the highest level BRM in the organization. But I'll also say that that individuals, I have seen individuals brought into the BRM role from the outside, but clearly these are individuals who do have a great deal of expertise and understand not only business and IT, maybe not necessarily the business of the organization they're joining, but they understand how business works, they understand how to build relationships, and they also have that expertise on the IT side. And so in essence, they can be effective when they step through the door. Okay, so we're we're wrapping up here, Jack. So I need to ask a question about the course. Did uh, this this course is three days, correct? Correct. Yep. And at the end of this course, there's some sort of an exam. Yep. Right, a test. Yep. If you successfully pass this exam, you receive a certification from who? So the recertification will come through APMG, which is the accrediting body, but the certification itself resides with the Business Relationship Management Institute, which is an organization that's been around since March of 2013 and is gaining great strength in this professional arena. And what's the website? BRMI.org, if I remember correctly. Something like that. Maybe I think BRMInstitute.org. Something. Yeah, Google it. Just do BRM Institute and uh, take it right to the link. Great, great organization. Strongly recommend people join it. Uh, a lot of benefit from being a member. Okay, good. Well, we're out of time. This happens when we hit an interesting topic. We just start talking, and here we are 30 minutes later. Okay, so, uh, Troy, any final words? The key is I think uh, this is an emerging and important role, this liaison, this strategic role to help enable overall business outcomes. There's a reason more and more organizations are putting this role in place, and it's not just limited to IT. I've also seen it in the context of HR and facilities, any large service, internal service organization that needs to find a way to improve the ecosystem and its total you know, effectiveness could use this kind of role. And uh, Jack, I'm, I'm so glad you were able to join us because you provide a lot of really practical insight today. Very good. It's been a pleasure to uh, be here with you guys. I agree. Thank you very much, Jack. Thank you, Troy, as always. And thanks, everybody, for listening. This is it for Practitioner Radio number 65. George Spaulding signing off.